0: All right. Well, let's uh let's go to prayer right now, shall we? Um heavenly father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you here. Thank you for the truth that we were singing. Um it's great to hear one another's voices uh, singing the truth and as we sing it ourselves, Lord, and so Lord, we just uh we we pray that this morning that you would help us to just dial in and, and to listen to what you have to say to our hearts, God. We pray that um, we, we would come to you, Lord, with open hands, not hanging on to anything too tightly that's uh, of our own desires that's not in alignment with yours, but to let those things go and to say we want everything that you have for us today, God. And so, Lord, we just pray. I pray, God, that you would use me this morning. I pray that you would fill me up with your spirit. And help me, Lord, to just to uh, tell uh, the truth here and and preach the truth and nothing but the truth, Lord. And so, Lord, we we just pray for our brothers and sisters who um, need your healing touch today. Pray that you would encourage them, Lord, uh, those that are struggling, Lord, with mental health, with physical health, Lord, would you uh, be for them the great physician and be for them a very present help in trouble, Lord. And so we, we just lift them up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are, um, as Charlie said, we're kind of picking back up where I left off uh, in Luke chapter 11. Now, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit here. I normally just preach from paper notes, but the printer's out here, and I made some changes, and I couldn't print. So I've Going from the laptop today. So if I hit the wrong thing and things disappear, then we'll just have to see where things go from there, okay? But uh, at any rate, so we're in Luke 11. If you want to turn there uh, using your device or your Bibles, Luke 11. And um, let me just remind you uh, a little bit about um, what happened before this. Um, so earlier, the verses before the verses we're going to talk about today. Jesus ended by saying this in verse 23 of chapter 11. He says, "Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters." And so, you just, you know, Jesus was drawing the proverbial line in the sand, right? And um and so he 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 made that declaration, but also you may recall that earlier in that same passage, he had um, cast a demon out of a man. He cast a demon out of a man, and everybody that was present there said, oh, you know what? He's doing this by the power of the devil, right? They they attributed uh, his power to do that to the devil. And Jesus said, you know, that doesn't even make any sense. You know, a house divided against itself will fall. Why would the devil cast himself? One of his minions out. It doesn't make any sense, and um, and so he, he 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 answered that. And then also though it said at um, it said also there were people who were watching this happen, and it said they they wanted to see a sign. They wanted him to perform some sort of a sign, as if the 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 guy being cast out the demon wasn't enough. Right? Uh, he's like, I, we want to see a sign. And so all of this happened uh, prior to the passage now, the, the verses we're going to look at now. So it's important for you to have that background because it definitely ties in with the verses today. So um, now, if you're able to, uh, why don't you go ahead and stand up in, in honor of the Word of God as I read this passage? And so we're going to, I'm going to read for you here these verses in Matthew 11. 24 to 36. And the message title here is this, Be careful how you respond to Jesus. So, verse 24 says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed Rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. As For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man... Uh, So will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, Something greater than Jonah is here. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. and When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no uh part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays give you light. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Now um have any of you uh so that you know the remember the, the game that the New York Times bought called Wordle, right? Well, so it's since then, they've they've produced a number of other word-type games, right? Does anybody here play the game Connections? Okay, yeah, there's a few of us. Connections is basically, uh, it's a grid of 16 words, randomly arranged. And you're supposed to figure out, um, there are four groupings of four words, and you have to figure out how four words all grouped together in some sort of uh, rational fashion, some sort of logical fashion. Um, I mean, in a simple way, and they're never this simple. It would be like, these are all colors. These four words are colors. And so they're a group. And so you select four and, and you say submit, and hopefully you you made a, you made one of the groupings that they had picked. And the tricky thing about it is there's often overlap. In other words, there's always a couple words that could be in a couple different type of groupings that you can think of, right? And so when I, when I was uh, reading this passage, I'm like, I felt like I was playing connections. How do these fit together, right? As initially, like, how do these fit together? And I do think they fit together, and I think they really fit in, particularly when you think about what came before. And what came before there was just, you know, Jesus drawing the line in the sand saying, there's no neutrality with me you're either with me or you're against me. And that's really where the first uh, handful of verses here in this passage lead us. That He talks about, Jesus uh, kind of warns people of the danger of being neutral toward him and his teaching. And uh, he uses this... um, way of talking about casting out the demon, right? As you recall, verses 24 there says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. Um, and, and people thought at that time that, you know, when you cast out a demon, it just kind of went out to the desert areas. You know, that's why uh, he's saying this. And uh, and then it's looking for a new home, right? If you cast it out of a person. And, and it says... Uh, It says, uh, it passes through water's places and find none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. In other words, you know, there's no demons in there. It's all cleaned out if you were, right? Um, But uh, the thing is, is that uh, as the phrase goes, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. And uh, I think Jesus is saying the same thing in a similar way. Spiritually speaking, it's not enough to just be empty of a demon. It's not enough, right? And so then he goes on to say, he says, then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last day of that person is worse than the first. Now, when you think about this, uh, you know, the whole, whole thing is he's like, cast the demon out. but uh, So think of that as kind of like a little bit of a, uh, you know so so now what are you going to do are you going to believe in Jesus he just did this incredible um miracle and delivered you from the demon but just because uh there there's been a, an exit of the demon it doesn't mean that salvation has come right so and I, and as i think about this passage um i think we're just reminded that salvation it, it means more than like reformation it's more than reform more than just trying to Do do good things. We have to receive Jesus. We have to believe in what He said. In other words, we have to not be neutral towards Him. We have to either receive Him or reject Him. There's no in between. And I think this little word picture that He's given about the demon is just trying to illustrate it. He's just simply saying, you know, the demon's out of there. Then what's going to go in there? Are you going to receive? Jesus and have the Holy Spirit fill you up right? uh are you just going to let the devil influence you like he has been doing and I think that's his, his point right It's not enough to merely el- try try and eliminate sin from our lives, just trying to try um but we need to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit filling us uh and helping us live for jesus so um You know, I think Jesus is just simply saying, um, as we have said here in this point, the danger of neutrality with regard to Jesus is that, you know, what have you done with him? Uh, Have you accepted him and believed in him and who he says he is, um, the Son of God come in the flesh, right, uh, for our sins? And have you believed in him and received him as such? And he's just using this. As a as just another illustration of that. And it's a good question. You know, everybody has to answer this. What have I done with Jesus? That is the ultimate question. And so uh, if you're here this morning thinking that you can ride the fence, um, Jesus has said you can't. It's not possible. Because non acceptance is rejection, right? And so uh, and, and he's saying you're either. Uh, And the Bible does really tell us we're either living in the the domain of darkness, right, under Satan's influence, or uh, we are living as children of the kingdom of light. It's one or the other. Uh, And this is the reality. And so, um, you know, I think about some people um, that that, uh, maybe they come to church and, and they experience the blessing of being around God's people, and they even experience maybe some of the power of the Spirit's work in that church. Right, and so they're they're like they kind of like that, and they like, oh, this is great. You know, I like going to church. I love being around these people, uh, um, and, and I love it. You know, it feels good there. It feels, um, you know, God's there. But then they don't do anything with Jesus. Think about that as someone who's in their mind, they're still neutral toward Jesus. they have not put their faith in him, they have not believed and and so I just uh, encourage you if that's you today if that's maybe you have not put your faith in Christ that you but you're experiencing the benefit really of the body, the fellowship, right you sense the spirit of God and you you're encouraged by that well. Don't stop there at feeling good about that. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Now, the next thing that we come to in this passage really has to do with taking sides with Jesus is more than saying words. Because you know, here we are not talk, not being neutral, so now we're going to say you've got to take a side, right? Well, uh, taking a side with Jesus is more than saying words you're siding with Jesus, okay? Um, Now, where are we getting this from? When you take a look at verses 27 and 28, he says, and he said these things, as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the woman that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. Now, you'll notice in his response, he doesn't say like that was a bad thing to say, he doesn't say that, but he's saying that he's using it. Then he's going to use this statement to say, "Well," uh, and by the way, you know the word "blessed" is another way of saying kind of a, you know happiness, right? The, the best kind of happiness, if you will, blessedness, right? And so, keeping that in mind, when you look at Jesus' response, he says, "But he said, blessed or happy." are, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He's saying, you know what? Real happiness is, real blessedness is uh, not being um, necessarily, you know, so again, he's like the whole thing about reference to Mary there, but, you know, this woman making a good declaration. But he's saying it's, it's, you have a blessed life. Real happiness comes from knowing the Lord, and living out his word, and obeying his word. And this is, you know, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So it's, you know, taking a side with Jesus is more than saying, I love Jesus. It's more than saying, um, I like his teachings. I'm, I'm trying to implement them in my life, and so on. It, it, it's, it's really saying, you know, it really gets down to the, I'm going to take what he has said, and by his power, obey it. It's putting it into action. And I was thinking um, this morning about, you know, we're advertising the the baptism. And um, baptism uh, is something that the Lord commands us to do as believers, right? Because he said, go and make disciples, right? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, so, Really, one of the things that every believer, if they're really believing him, should be doing is stepping out and obeying the Lord in baptism, right? And not just say, I love Jesus, or yes, I believe in Jesus, but are you doing what he said? And we know that he calls all believers, all believers to be baptized. Now, I don't get a bonus for more people being baptized, Okay? Anything like that. So, But what I want to do is I do want to challenge you to say, you know what? If you say you're in with Jesus, we have to do more than say. We have to step out and obey. And he blesses, (laughs) he blesses the man and the woman and the child who obeys him. Amen? That's where real happiness is, right? Uh, real true blessedness. And so Jesus is reinforcing this. He's saying, you know, yes, uh, you, you can't stay neutral about me. And knowing you're not neutral is that you're obeying me. Now, we know we're not going to obey perfectly. Okay? We know that. That's why we need grace. But there has to be that desire in us at the very least and some seeing some um, movement in obedience in our lives, right? Um, You read the book of James, right? What does he say? Faith without works is dead. It's not real faith if there's not some kind of evidence there beyond words. Words are just words, right? And so he calls us, calls us to follow him, and he calls us to obey. Now. As we move through the passage then, Jesus is going to now address uh, the people that were asking for a sign. Remember, it wasn't enough for him to just hear the powerful preaching of Jesus and and his calls for repentance. Uh, It wasn't enough for them to see the miracles he had been doing, right? And uh, one of which was the deliverance here of this man earlier that we mentioned who had been delivered from uh, demonic possession. And so now, Jesus is saying that the preaching that he did should be enough to respond with repentance and belief. In other words, you don't need anything else. You don't need a sign. In fact, you know, uh, really, um, even if I gave you all kinds of signs, it's really not about the signs. You'll see in the, next, the last set of verses too his emphasis on that. There's plenty of evidence to go around. And so, now, um, the, the verses that uh, relate to this, verse, uh, verses uh, 29 to 32, uh, he said, when the, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. It's like you're not going to get a sign other than the sign of Jonah. Now, um, a lot of speculation on what the sign of Jonah is. I'll give you a couple takes on it. It could be both of them, actually. I, um, but, you know, some people think that the sign there is, you know, uh, Jonah being in the, the belly of a large fish or a whale for three days, similar fashion that Jesus was in the tomb and raised on the third day, right? Um, but uh, I think it, I think it, I mean it could be that, I, and I, it may well be that. But I I do think the emphasis in the passage really is about the preaching. Okay, because it said Jonah himself was assigned to the people of Nineveh. Okay, well, what did Jonah? What was Jonah called to do in Nineveh? Preach. He preached a message of repentance he didn 't want to do it that 's why he ended up in, in a whaleogram. you know that 's why he tried to run away from God, right and it, which you just can 't do. you know just bad theology you can 't run away from God, even though we we try to do it probably all the time, you know all the time, but we do at times deceive ourselves thinking that we can we can somehow escape uh, the lord's I or whatever. Uh, But so, so Jonah was sent to preach. And he had such a hard time wanting to preach to these people because they were evil. (laughs) You know, they were evil. He's like, "I, I, I don't want, you know, send me somewhere else. It's almost like, you know, these people don't deserve it. And so, but when he preached, much to his surprise, what happened? They repented, and God got the glory, right? And so, uh, when we think about this, uh, and, and we'll just kind of finish reading here that the, the verses, and we'll kind of reconnect here. But so, uh, he says, I'm not going to give you any other sign other than the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. So now you see he's making this connection between Jonah and Jesus, Right? So now verse 31, now now it seems like, well, now we're talking about the queen of Sheba. What's this about, right? Uh, The queen of Sheba will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. In other words, you know, think about if we're there watching this happen, Jesus speaking to these people at this time. And he's saying, you guys, what's going to happen at the end? Uh, There's going to be a testimony against you and the queen of Sheba will be one of them and she will testify uh, against you. And it says, she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And this is a reference to the Old Testament because the queen of Sheba had heard of the wisdom of Solomon and traveled a great distance to go uh, get an audience with him and to see and hear his wisdom. And she did that. In other words, she she heard about God working through Solomon and she went to great effort to go see that. She, in a sense, kind of, wanted to see it for herself. And then, as it goes on though, it says here, it says, but something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus. So you you see in this little section, he's saying that, okay, uh, this happened with Solomon and the queen of Sheba, but somebody greater than Solomon is here. Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 32, he says, the men of Nineveh, Right, the people that Jonah preached to will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something, someone greater than Jonah is here. In other words, all the people that were hearing this is saying, "You got Jonah's Lord here preaching to you." The people of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. You ought to be repenting right now because I'm Jonah's Lord. That's what he's saying. Jonah's Lord is preaching repentance. He's been preaching repentance, right? Telling people to turn from their sin and turn to God, right? And so I really think that that's what he's getting at. Although, you know, like I said, it could also incorporate the the fact that, um, of course, when we're, the, the occasion that we're reading this comes before the resurrection and the crucifixion and all that, right? So uh, he could be alluding to the future sign of the resurrection. Okay? But I really think that it, at the very least there's the element of the preaching. And so really what we're, what we're seeing here is that Jesus is saying, listen, the proper response <laughs> for hearing me, Jesus says, is you should repent, turn from your sin and turn to me. That, that's the proper response, right? Not trying to say that you can remain neutral, right? Um, but you should repent, you should turn to me, Jesus is saying, look to me, believe in me. And this is, um, ties right in with what we've been talking about. Just the, the, there, is a, there is a proper response to Jesus, right? It's not neutrality, but it should be one of turning from sin, turning to God, looking to him for grace, mercy, and forgiveness that Christ offers, right? Now, the last thing uh, in this passage, uh, the point here is this, that when we see Jesus for who he truly is, and that's important, right? Because a lot of people, they read about Jesus, they even read the Bible, and they come to a conclusion that, in their mind, he's a nice guy, worthy of emulation, for sure, right? Uh, a great example for us to follow. Um, but they don't see him as the Lord of the universe. They don't see him as the one whose rightful place in their life life is at the center of their life, uh, calling the shots, and that he is, their, he is to be their Lord and Savior, right? And so... But when someone does get it, when they can truly see who Jesus is, it changes how they see everything. And, and you know, if you're a believer in Jesus, you can testify to this, right? When you, when you see Jesus for who he really is, then it changes the course of our lives and how we view virtually everything. Now, let's see where we're getting this here. Verses 33 to 36. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter it may see the light. In other words, you you don't light a lamp just to hide it somewhere. Right? Makes total sense. Uh, And then he says, um, Your eye is the lamp of your body, and when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Now, I didn't really think Jesus is, again, talking about this light and darkness as spiritually speaking, but he's using this metaphor of the body and the eye, right? And, and, and he's saying, uh, when your eye sees clearly, right, your whole body is full of light. Like when your eye is functioning properly, you see everything clearly, right? But when it's not, everything's dark. This just kind of makes sense, right? And the same thing is true spiritually speaking, right? If we um, accept Christ as Savior, we've truly seen Him for who He is. Our sight is good. Our spiritual sight is dead on when you truly see Jesus for who He is, the Son of God, right? The Savior of the world. And when that happens, uh, our whole body, it says, is full of light. Now, this is an interesting statement in verse 35. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. And when I first read this, I'm like, like, one of, like a dog. Hmm? What? 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 <laughs> yeah. And so I was just like, um, what is that? And I think what he's getting at... Um, is that he's like, you know, there are people who think they get it. They've got it, but they don't. Uh, You know, the Pharisees and all that, they thought that they had a right relationship with God. They thought they knew the truth, but they were deceived. They thought they were seeing properly, but they were blind, right? They were blind. And so now... um, let me. I'll, I'll, I'll get on more of that in a minute here, but let's finish this verse here. It says in verse 36, If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays give you light. And so um, I want to read something to you. Where is that? A, a quote here from John MacArthur on this um, uh, verse 35, just, just about the verse that talks about, you know, be careful that the light in you is not actually darkness. Um, He says, every time you hear some liberal theologian deny some truth of Scripture because he comes to some profound historic understanding and he's been lifted above the errors of the Bible, you know what he thinks is light is actually darkness. Every false religion, every form of heresy, every system in the world apart from the true gospel of Jesus Christ is nothing but another form of darkness, right? He says it's darkness. He says there are people who think that Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses have the light. It's darkness. And Jesus is saying uh, to these Jewish leaders, you better be careful. You better watch out that the light you think is in you is not, in fact, darkness. In other words, make sure that you've really got the light. Make sure you truly understand who Jesus is. Okay? And so again... Everything here fits together under this category, if you will, of um, making sure that we have a right response to Jesus. Let's make sure, right, that we fully understand who Jesus is the Son of God come to save us from our sins, right? Who died on the cross and rose again three days later and ascended then to be at the right hand of God. And he will return one day for his bride, the church, right? And he also will judge the living and the dead. So that is who Jesus is, right? And, uh, and, and you got to realize that, you know, um, and as many here could probably attest to, before you were a believer in Jesus, you probably thought you had the light. You probably thought you truly understood how things were. You thought you had a good picture of reality. Well, when you come to Jesus then you, and you see him for who he is and the scales fall off, if you will, from your eyes, right? And then you realize I didn't know the truth. Uh, it was in a sense kind of hidden, right? Sp- you were spiritually in darkness. You thought you could see, but you really couldn't. That makes sense? Uh, the, Jesus is giving us this word picture. Um and, and this is really, in a sense, when you think about people that don't believe, this is what they're up against, right? This is this is what they're in spiritual darkness, although they might not think about themselves that way, right? Um and usually I don't go around telling people, you know, you know you're in spiritual darkness. You know? Um, you know, that wouldn't be the most loving way to lead with it. But it does help us like to have a proper perspective of what's going on. We're in a spiritual battle every day. And there's a spiritual battle for the hearts and the souls of men and women and children. That's reality, right? And Satan wants to prevent people from understanding who the real Jesus is, he wants them to think that they can remain neutral, and to think that there are many paths that lead to God. Right? That's so much a gentler message, right? I understand why it's attractive. It's like okay, it's very non-confrontational, right? Um, if you don't like confrontation, then that's a very appealing view. It's wrong, but it's appealing. Right? Um and Jesus, you know, laid it down. He he made many, many, many exclusive claims, right? Left no wiggle room at all. And so um uh but but anyway, I, I think as we look at this this passage today, and uh you know may the Lord help us to see that you know there's you know if you're a believer already, I think the application is clear in that you know there's the blessing. There's blessing in obeying the Lord. We've already received him as Lord and Savior. And he wants us to know, just keep following him, right? And, and when we fall short of that obedience, we, we, we lean on his grace and forgiveness that we've already received, right? Um, um, but but for, for someone who's not really uh, put their faith in Jesus, I think the application is clear. Hear the call for repentance to turn away from your false ideas of who Jesus is and turn to the real Jesus. And he will meet you right where you are. All your baggage and everything. Okay? Just like he's done with every believer. Right? And so, I uh, encourage you to 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 believe to just put your faith in Christ. So, all right, let's let's pray. Let's go to the Lord here. Heavenly Father, we are blessed to be able to read the words of Jesus and having great confidence that these are his words that he has for us. Lord, I pray that if anyone who is hearing this this morning uh, is spiritually blind, Lord, we pray that you would open blind eyes. Bring light into the spiritual darkness. Help those who are hearing this, Lord, to to believe in the real Jesus, the Lord of the universe. The one who, yes, does cast out demons, but then, then doesn't want it just to stay that way, but wants that same person to receive him. And believe in Him. It's not about the amount of light. We We all have plenty of light about who Jesus is. We, we, the truth is here. It's really about sight. Lord, we pray that you would grant spiritual sight to those that are spiritually blind. Lord, and for those of us that believe, God, give us the grace to obey you, whether it's in baptism or whatever it is, that we are faced with today. Lord, let us be seeing that um, our our house, if you will, will be built on solid foundation if we hear the word of God and seek to obey. I ask it in Jesus' name.